This is officially the first Sunday of the new year for the church, and uh, it is shaping up so well so far, uh, and the pressure is on me. But hey, um, <laughs> I just wanted to pause for a minute to appreciate my sister Beth Pass and Abby and the rest of the Young Adults team uh, for or orchestrating uh, this communion. Very often, communion, because it, we take this more often on a periodical basis, it becomes a ritual. And with any ritual that happens, after a while you forget why we are doing it, right? In our pursuit for truth and justice and morality and the bigger things, we completely forget the fact that we are all here because somebody died. Somebody died. We forget that because you know, that, that's human beings and that's my problem too. So I appreciate uh, bringing that theology and that framework back to, and it, it, is, some, it is a truth worth, uh, worthy to be repeated. So I, I really appreciate that, uh, that communion time. Um, and Abby, thank you for leading us through that amazing violin music and you made me cry. That's a very bad way to start for me, but anyway. Uh, thank you. Joanne and I have been married for over 23 years. And we have had our own shares of disagreements. But there is only one time I can remember that we were at an impasse where we needed to take a decision. We were in complete disagreement about that. This happened in 2012, and we were in Toronto, Canada, very well settled. I just started a ministry which was taking off, and Joanne was working as the director of finance for a major Christian charity, and uh, we were living in a beautiful home in a very prestigious neighborhood. We had two kids, two cars. We were living the Canadian dream. <laughs> and then suddenly, I announced that we have to move to Pasadena because I have this PhD program, and unless and until I am in the campus, I won't be able to experience it, enjoy it. I won't be able to finish it. So we are going to move. And Joanne said no. And she had every right to say no, because, by the way, move by itself is not something that intimidates us. We have, after our marriage, lived in four different countries, not visited, lived, with a driver's license, with the social number and all that, in four different countries. This is our 12th apartment or residence we live in, so moving doesn't, you know, intimidate us. But the problem with this particular move was, when we come to Pasadena, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a student, I, I was a student at the time, which means that I have a F1 status. And some of you, if you don't know anything about immigration in the US, this is a completely different nightmare. Uh, when, when I am a student, I'm not allowed to work. I can, I can work in the campus for 20 hours a week. Anyway, you don't have to know the detail. But the problem, though, is that my wife 
cannot work, cannot study, and, and she, will be, she won't be literally, she has an F2 dependent status, which means that she practically cannot do anything worthwhile, uh, you know, worth, uh, worthy to pursue her career. And it was frankly a career suicide, which it was. And I understand that and appreciate that. Added to the layer is that her entire family lived there, her dad, mom, brothers, and all that. And obviously, we invested our social capital, our friends, our circle. And still, we have more friends in Toronto than anywhere else in the world even now. So it was, it was in so many ways, home. Um, so we had, we, we, but I said, you know, I tried to build consensus by saying that, hey, you know what? We will do one thing. I will move for two years, maximum three years, and I will come back. 2015, I will graduate and I will come back. In the meantime, I will come every three months so that I can be with the family, so don't worry about it, you know? So I, I'm not forcing you to, to move with me. But she wouldn't budge. She said, if you jump, I jump. And that's our marriage covenant, so I'm, going, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice that. So again, impasse. And you know how the story ended, obviously. <laughs> but that is the only time in my marriage where I exercised my God-given patriarchal privilege <laughs> with its full might. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to veto this decision and we are going to move. And when we moved, when we left Toronto, it was a very painful time. Uh, we sent out a card to all our friends and our relatives and ministry partners just explaining why we are going. And so I have a, hopefully have a picture of this card. Yes. So this was our goodbye card from Toronto. Well, goodbye, we thought it's only for two to three years. And uh, if you look at the bulletin, the title of the sermon today is the title of that card. It says, Following the Cloud. I want you to know that this sermon has been nine years in the making. This is not something I cooked up last week or the week before. This is not something I studied. This is something I lived for the last nine years. So, I believe on the first Sunday of this church year, for some strange reason, God may want to speak to us something through this title and the scripture I'm going to read. So stand with me for the reading of the words. Numbers chapter 9, verses 17 to 22. Whenever the cloud was lifted from over the tent, afterward, the sons of Israel would then set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the sons of Israel would camp. At the command of the Lord, the sons of Israel would set out, and at the command of the Lord, they would camp. 
As long as the cloud settled over the tabernacle, they remained camped. Even when the cloud lingered over the tabernacle for many days, the sons of Israel would keep the Lord's charge and not set out. If sometimes the cloud remained in a few days over the tabernacle, according to the command of the Lord, they remain camped. Then according to the command of the Lord, they set out. If sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning, when the cloud was lifted in the morning, they would move out. Or if it remained in the daytime and at night, whenever the cloud was lifted, they would set out. Whether it was two days or a month or a year that the cloud lingered over the tabernacle, staying above it, the sons of Israel remained calmed and did not set out. And when it was lifted, they did set out. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Have you ever attempted cloud watching? <laughs> I know we are in Southern California. Many of you do uh, bird watching. And if you go to Newport Beach, there are a lot of people who do whale watching. <laughs> now, there is something called cloud watching. That used to be a thing when I grew up, when I was a little boy, we did not have any devices, we did not have any screens to look at. So I remember going to the terrace of my house and laying on my back and looking at the sky and watching the clouds pass by. That used to be one of my favorite pastimes. And even if you feel anxious about many things, and when you feel nervous about many things, and you look at the cloud passing by, kind of, it's, you feel like all this tension and the worry you have kind of melt away. And it is something worth trying, by the way. And in the book of Nahum, which is appropriately pronounced Nahum, 1-3, the scripture says, the clouds are the dust of his feet. <laughs> That's a good visual metaphor. And I look at the cloud and, I, and, and, the, and the scripture says, it is the dust of his feet. It means God is walking over me. And when you walk and the dust of the road kind of spread all over, when the Lord walks, these clouds are like the dust spreading all over the sky. I mean, again, it's a poetic imagination of Nahum. But the, but the beauty of it, when I, look, when I look at it, I feel, I picture God walking over me. And I wonder, well, God, where are you going? Where are you going? I want to go there. Because the clouds are a visual representation of where God is at, again, from a theological, metaphorical sense, according to the scripture. When you study the scripture, there is something called theophany. Theophany means God 
presents himself into this world in a visual form. That's what theophany means. God shows up in our mundane, ordinary life. And most often, when theophany happens, crowds are associated with it. I will give you some scriptures. Now, a major episode, as you know, is the Old Testament, the Sinai Covenant, when the actual Torah or the actual, the Ten Commandments and the rest of it was given. You remember? God shows, showed up in Mount Sinai and invited Moses and imparted the commandments. And this is how Exodus 29 verses 15 to 18 records this. Then Moses went up to the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. Then Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Then after a while you see as the Exodus journey progresses, there was a tabernacle where God said, I am going to be with you. You can experience my presence. So when the tabernacle was erected, this is what happened, Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 to 38. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and there was fire in by night. Going further, when Israel built its first temple, you remember Solomon built Israel's first temple, the day of dedication, this is exactly what happened. First Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. And it happened that when the priests came from the holy place, the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. What a picture. What a picture. Ideally, that's what should happen at Lake Avenue Church or any church. When the pastor comes to preach, he cannot even stand in the pulpit because of the cloud of the Lord. The theophany is happening. A tangible manifestation of the Lord is happening that overwhelms every single word which is going to come out of my mouth, every single song we sing. That is not the point. The cloud of the Lord had to do the ministry, right? Now, the cloud is a great indication of God's presence. And the, the cloud is a very reassuring and affirming, uh, you know, token from the Lord to, to, to ensure us of his presence. But you know one thing the cloud is not good as is 
the cloud is the worst possible GPS, okay? <laughs> that was the problem. That's something I don't really like about the cloud. When God called Israelites to embark on this epic journey, the Exodus journey, which by the way is the visual, is the metaphor of our own journey. That's why we read the book of Exodus. We read the Old Testament. We read their journey from Egypt to Israel, the promised land, because it is a journey we live in currently, right now. We are all on a journey through the desert. It may not be from Canada to Pasadena. It may not be even a physical journey. It could be a spiritual journey, but we are all on an Exodus journey on a consistent basis. That's why this scripture is extremely relevant to us today. Now the problem is that when God calls you on a journey, he gives this GPS. He said, follow the cloud. When the cloud moves, you move. When the cloud settles, you settle. You don't move. It's good to have a GPS, but the problem though, you know, since I've, I'm, I've been doing cloud watching, I'll tell you a little more about it. I can authentically, I'm pro probably a professional cloud watcher <laughs> that way, right? See, <laughs> one of the problems with following the cloud is that cloud, a cloud by definition is ambiguous, right? That's why we even in English where we say my mind is clouded means it's vague, it's not clear. So that vagueness is in the fundamental nature of God's calling. And I hear this many televangelists and forgive me, you know, uh, and, and, and many, many people who can so affirmatively what is going to happen next and they have certain clarity about what they are supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do, what everybody else is supposed to do and when Jesus is going to come back and they will give you the date and time and the hour and the second and the problem is that and they could be, I don't have that gift. But the thing is, as far as I know from my experience and from the scripture, when God gives you a calling, there has to be a certain ambiguity built into it because without which you cannot exercise something called faith. See, if you are clear about everything, then you don't need faith. What you need is knowledge, right? But this is not the way of knowledge, it's the way of faith. And faith cannot exist without a certain level of ambiguity. It has to be there. It doesn't fit in our rationale. And that drives me mad, especially somebody like me. As you know, I'm by trained as a professional engineer. And I have a very analytical brain and I hate the cloud as my GPS, right? And you know this, this, this question very often, you attend the interviews, people ask you, so where do you see yourself in five years? You know, you know when that question comes to me, my goodness, before I was a Christian, I had a very clear answer to all that questions. But after I became a, became a Christian, I don't know how to answer it. That's the most dreaded question in an interview process. It's funny, I graduated, uh, as I promised to my wife, in 2015 from Fuller. And I remember after the PhD graduation, we had a small group, so everybody was saying, so where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> 
And you know where I was in five years, right? Because we were all at the same place in five years, 2020, right? Whoever answered that question in 2015 or 2016, where do you see yourself in five years in this entire universe was wrong. What's wrong? It doesn't matter whether you are a televangelist or a project engineer or manager, it doesn't matter. You were wrong. You didn't think you were going to be here five years before, right? So what I'm saying is that there has to be that certain ambiguity and that's part of the faith journey. In Hebrew 11.8, the scripture introduces, as you know, talks about uh, Abraham, about his journey. This is what it says, Hebrews 11.8 says, Abraham, when he was called, went without knowing where he was going. Abraham went without knowing where he was going. What in the world is that? And we call ourselves the children of Abraham. That is the fundamental nature of Abraham's calling. Abraham, start. I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not even going to tell you why. I'll give you some indication, some clouded information, some little bit of pieces here and there, because I want you to be the father of faith, not knowledge. So that ambiguity has to be there. Oh, now that is the problem. When you are following the cloud, you have to live with that certain kind of vagueness. Because that will, God will use that to build your trust in him. And that's how the journey progresses. Now the second problem with the cloud watching is this. Or following the cloud is this. You know, when you watch the cloud, <laughs> strange thing about the cloud is that you look at the cloud and it looks like a beautiful flower. <gasps> look at that, it's like a beautiful flower. Then you just look at it again, now it looks like a car, right? Then after a while you look at it, now it looks like a butterfly. It consistently changes its shape. Now this happens very often with God's calling too. Okay, he might ask you to do something and then you are going to do it and you'll tell everybody, the Lord asked me to do this and you're doing it then. God say, now I want you to do completely different thing. And, and you, you become a laughing stop in front of people. It's okay for you to talk, but other people thought, hey, I thought Lord asked you to do this and, and what happened now? I don't know, I don't know. It's like a GPS. You know GPS, uh, back in the days when we had GPS, it was not built into the Apple phone or anything like that. And then it will recalculate only when we, when we, when we miss an exit, right? If you take a wrong direction, the GPS will recalculate. That's a good thing because we can get back to the right route. Now modern GPSs kind of continuously recalculate based on the traffic. And that drives me mad, you know? You know, I mean, it says, I'm going to the airport and I'm taking one exit, one, one direction, immediately the GPS is giving me a couple other options. And it keeps recalculating based on this bigger picture out there because satellite can see the things that I cannot see. It constantly recalculates and it con even if you didn't do anything wrong, even if you didn't take any wrong exit, it will still ask you to change your direction because the satellite knows something you don't know because the satellite 
is hovering over the traffic and it has a better and bigger picture and he, it has the right to give you this different option. So that, that sometimes, this happens with I don't know how to explain this. This has happened in my life too. God asked me to do something and they say, now I want you to do something else. You know, this happened to Peter. You know, Peter was one day, had a very bad day. He couldn't catch anything. And you know the story, right? And then Jesus comes along and Jesus said, hey, Peter, cast your net on the deep end. And Peter said, yeah, 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 yeah. You are a rabbi and you tell me how to catch fish. And I know this in and out. And but anyway, since you said it, I'm going to do it. And Peter did. <laughs> and then this big catch, this big catch, Peter is excited. Oh my goodness, I had this big catch. And, and, and he carried this whole thing to the shore. And you know, with this big, big net full of fish, come to the store, you know what, shore. And you know the first thing Jesus says? Leave it and follow me. Hey, I was just sitting there minding my own business. Don't give me this unnecessary hope. I would rather leave an empty net than a full net. If you had asked me to leave before, it was much easier for me to leave. Now I have this full net and you want me to leave. What are you saying? Make up your mind, Jesus. You want me to at least let me eat some, some of it. You know, because I just made the catch and you gave it to me. Oh, leave it. And I mean, you read the scripture. It says they, they left it instantly. They did not wait a day. They did not even wait to cook a meal from this. They had to leave. And this is the problem when you follow the Lord, when you follow the cloud, because it constantly recalculates based on his infinite knowledge of the universe and the free will decisions made by individuals around you. It will constantly change. It's like, a, it's like being an intern in Hollywood, you know? You know, you go to UCLA film school or USC film school and come up with a master's degree in whatever they give you uh, with, the, with, the, with the director or producer specialist. Then you go apply to be intern in a film set and they will ask you to pick up coffee from Starbucks, right? Okay, I'll pick up coffee and then they will ask you to do work on a little camera. Then they will ask you to do script, uh, you know, supervision. Then they will ask you to pick up the laundry of the actress or actor. And I have a master's degree from UCLA film school. It doesn't really matter. You will be asked one thing or the other depending on the bigger production needs available there because that's the way God trains his warriors. Only then and only then you will be able to be entered into the battle, this cosmic battle happening in this world and the Lord knows that. So you need to be able to trust the Lord on a moment by moment basis like the cloud morphing from one thing to another and he will be recalculating your direction for you. Now that is another problem following the cloud. Now one more. <laughs> it's funny when we read the scripture, when the cloud stops, you stop, right? Have you ever seen a cloud really stopping? You know, I have never seen it. Like I said, I'm a professional cloud watcher. <laughs> I have never seen a cloud really stopping. Cloud kind of settles down, 
Because cloud by nature is always kind of, always mobile. It, it is almost kind of, uh, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> how do you say this? When I, you know, I, I, I ride motorcycle, right? And one of the cool thing about riding a motorcycle is not just riding itself. And when I, sometimes when I ride and, uh, you know, when there's this uh, traffic signal comes and, you know, I stop there and then there'll be some SUVs pulling over by side and the windows goes down and the little teenage boys head, you know, put their head up and seeing, oh, mommy, that's what I want to become. You know, they, you know, you, you are living their dream. Anyway, so then you do a little thing, you know, you put the thing in the clutch, you know, you apply the clutch and, and raise the accelerator a little, little bit. It's called revving the engine, right? Like revving the engine. Oh, that gives a kick. That gives a kick to the kids and to even the dogs, which kind of lifts out and, you know, these are, these are my favorite fans, the little boys and the dogs, <laughs> you know? And, and then I rev the engine and, mm, 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 and they are so excited and, and I am their hero and I, I am who they want to become one day, right? <laughs> so anyway, the point is, the point is, you know, you can do that with sports cars too, not your Toyota Camry or anything, but like real sports cars, you know, and you do, you rev Revving the engine, you know, that's how cloud settles. The clouds never stop. The cloud never stops. It is always revving. <laughs> it's revving. It's just about to move. For the last nine years, <laughs> we thought it was going to move. No, in nine years, it's going to, but it's, it's just, that's the way it happens. You know, the cloud, it might be here for another nine years or 90 years, we don't know, but it never really stands still. You have to be always on the edge when the Lord calls you. Now, that is in the nature of calling. And some of my friends, and actually, a major number of my close friends happen to be doctors, medical professionals. And uh, um, so, you know, one of the things hanging out with the doctors, and especially when they are on call, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon. <laughs> you know, they will come with you, they will hang out with you, they, you know, they are, they are there, but they are not really there. Because they have this beeper or, this, or the phone or whatever they have, and they are almost always on the edge. They enjoy the moment. I'm not saying that. But it's always make you uncomfortable because the moment they get the call, they will just get up and leave. They will, they will not even say goodbye. It doesn't matter whether you're the best friend or a wife or a kid. I don't know. But the point is, is that they are on call. They are answering to a bigger reality out there. Sometimes nothing will happen too. We always have, almost always have a good time, but, but, but that, that edge, there is, it, it, it can bust any time. It can bust any, the revving. <laughs> that, that, that cell phone is like, sitting there and revving its engine. The call can come any time. The point what I'm trying to make is, if you, Sign up to follow the cloud. Ambiguity is in the very nature of its call. There is a certain vagueness about the calling itself. And then the second point, as we said, there has to be a flexibility with the role you are willing to play. And the third thing I said is there should be an availability to do the task. Even when you are standstill, even when you are resting, you should be available 
to get that call and start your journey. And that is the tricky thing about cloud being our GPS. Now, if you say that the Lord, I mean, this is something I say all the time, Lord, I'm tired. This is very tiring, actually. It's not easy. So Lord, I'm tired. I need some clarity. I've done all this and I need some clarity and I need, you know, I'm done with the vagueness. Tell me what to do, I'll do, but tell me very clearly, okay? I need clarity. And then the Lord gives you clarity. So that's the, another thing about this cloud is that it says, Exodus, um, Exodus 13, 21. Here is a verse which says, and the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel day and by night. So they were not just traveling on the day and they're taking rest at night. That was not at all. At night, what happens is this, this vague, ambiguous pillar of cloud will become a pillar of fire. Now, there is nothing ambiguous about a fire. <laughs> if you touch it, you will know it. A pillar of fire is as clear as you can get when it comes to the, your relationship with God or anything. But here is the challenge. You should be willing to go through an experience of night in your life. If you travel through a desert by night, I have lived in a desert which is called Kuwait, a country called Kuwait. And uh, you know, in the daytime it will be so hot, but at night it will be freezing cold. And there are so, much, so many desert creatures. There could be these little scorpions who look very cute and you will kiss you to death. One kiss, that's all it needs. The desert creature is a very dangerous place to travel. And all the bandits are right there. All the, all the bad people, the enemies of Israel are right there waiting for the sun to go down so they, they can attack. But when you go through that experience of night, then this ambiguous cloud suddenly turned into a pillar of fire and it is going to fight for you, and it is going to burn the enemies. And that is the nature of the cloud of the Lord. Now remember, they were not following a cloud. <laughs> they were not following a cloud. They were following Exodus chapter 40, 30, 38, I read. For throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day. The cloud of the Lord. There was a, they were not following a cloud. They were following the cloud. The cloud of the Lord, Anan Yahweh. And it is, it, this cloud has a name. It is a specific cloud that they were following. And I'm telling you, if you are willing to follow the, the cloud, not a cloud, and I'm telling you, we are all following a cloud in this world. Some of us are following our career, our reputation, money, business, and ambition. These are all good. But I'm telling you, all these clouds will vanish into thin air one day. But the cloud of the Lord is going to turn, morph into a pillar of fire. And it is going to protect you. It is going to shield you. It is going to fight for you. So 
the cloud, following the cloud, is the most intensely beautiful spiritual experience you can have. Again, I'm not saying this because I read it in a book. I lived it. I lived it. I'm going to close this. Because <laughs> I started with Joanne. I want you to know this. When we came to Pasadena, I was not necessarily following the cloud because I had a purpose. I wanted to do a PhD program, so I knew why I was coming here. And my kids didn't have a particular problem because they had a lot of friends there, but they came here, they went to Blair School. So they also, nothing necessarily affected them to their big extent. It was all on Joanne. She was the complete loser in that, in that proposal because she couldn't do anything. She, she, she's not an American resident. And so she came here, she said, I can't sit at home and rot away, and I'm going to volunteer at Lake Avenue Community Foundation. She signed up in one of those forms and she started volunteering. <laughs> so there's this one day I went to pick her up. I saw her stuffing the envelope at Lake Avenue Community Foundation because that's all she could do, and she was a volunteer, and I knew she was the director of finance in a big company, uh, and, and I, I told myself, what did I do to my wife? What did I do to my wife? Cutting the whole story short, fast forward nine years. She still is not an American resident. She has a work permit. She is currently the CFO, Chief Financial Officer of Calpoli Pomona Foundation. And she's making almost three times as much as I make. And all I'm saying is that <laughs> that's what happens when you follow the cloud. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we look at the sky. There are so many clouds floating by. <laughs> clouds with different names, the names of celebrity preachers, the, the names of great institutions. Lord, we want to follow Ananim Yahweh, the cloud of the Lord. As ambiguous as it is, Lord, we want to follow your calling. And we are committing ourselves to be flexible, to play any roles that you ask us to do. And we are available for any task you assign us to do. As a church, we will go in the forward. On the first Sunday of this year, we rededicate and re recommit ourselves to the calling that you have placed to us. And we pray that your cloud will, will morph into a pillar of fire and protect us, save us, and shield us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's, uh, let's respond by standing together.
and singing this hymn. Make this our prayer. Sing to tell you something before uh, we close. Um, forgive me if I take a, a minute or two. You were here up to 4 o'clock last Sunday, so I know you can see. You have the capacity. You have the capacity. So uh, one of the things we are doing this year is uh, we have an evangelism initiative that we announced a long time ago. And as part of this, if you look at your bulletin, there will be a nice little flyer like this, okay? And if you don't have it, make sure that you get it when you go out of this sanctuary. And first of all, this is not for you. 
okay? This is for you to see and find the information. And I want you to give it to somebody else who is not necessarily a Christian, who is not part of a church. Because as you can see, it says reaching for the planet and beyond, engaging with JPL scientists. So this is actually a scientific discussion about one of the most relevant things that happened in the entire world this year, which happened right here in Pasadena, landing of Mars rover, and, 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 the, and some of the most brilliant minds in this universe is right here in Pasadena, and they're right here in our church. And, and on the other side, you will see some of them. So this is going to be a round table where they're going to give you a little story. This, may not, this is not a Jesus event or this is not where you do altar call or anything. Um, I might even do that, you know me, you know, but, but that's not what it's meant to be. That's not what it's meant to be. It's going to be a discussion, a culturally relevant discussion, engaging the culture, okay? So I want you to be comfortable and feel confident to invite your people who are not necessarily into the church and it is a free event and we are going to have an ice cream cart and all and before and going to be a fun event and this will be a great outreach opportunity so I want you to take this and invite other people also you know as I said Beth was talking about communion another ritual which is just as important is baptism so if you are a Christian, if you are not being baptized, and this would be your time, a baptism service will be coming up very soon. If you look at the bulletin, you will see some announcement of baptism classes. Even if you don't want to have baptism, you just want to know what it is, the theology of it, very important. The theology of it, and I will be offering two classes. You can take one of them, you don't need two. Next Sunday and the Sunday after next, I'm giving it so that I want all of you to take it, and if the Lord prompts you to take baptism, the time and the service will be coming up for that too. Now, if you need any prayer today, and we have prayer volunteers will be available, our prayer ministry is always 24-7 available through phone and email. And so, now, now as you leave, may the cloud of the Lord go with you. May it hover over you and guide you through the hills and the valleys and the chaos and the confusions in your life. And may it morph into a pillar of fire in your confusions and chaos and protect you and shield you and be with you and now and forever. May God go with you, go with God and follow the cloud. God bless you.